0: From Bronx cheers to USA chants, Mason Cox's journey to the AFL has been a rollercoaster. With his ExxonMobil job in the bag, the big American took a huge risk but decided to play AFL. In this intriguing chat, we discuss why and how he made that decision, playing under extreme adversity, the Australian sports media landscape, and what the AFL can learn from American sports. Mason Cox, thanks for joining us on the Talking Footy podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be on. We've
0: had an Irishman. This is our first American.
1: Yeah. It's been a whirlwind. Yeah, it's been a um, well, it's been a heck of an adventure to say the least. Um, to be where I'm at doing what I'm doing, um, a lot of things had to find my way. I'm very fortunate and blessed in my life, so just kind of um, living the dream, as they say. The the one thing that strikes me
0: about your uh, demeanour is that you're just so carefree, happy-go-lucky.
1: You are genuinely so thankful for being in this position. Yeah, it's. I think it's kind of where I've, a bit of where I've come from. Like, like I didn't really expect it all and to come from I guess being um, uh, on a basketball team where you weren't really relevant you were kind of a bench player and and that was almost, you know, I thought that was going to be the greatest thing, you know, that would ever happen to me. And um, I was so fortunate and, you know, like so excited. My family was so pumped about that. And then for this whole thing to come out of the back of it and uh, to have the family be somewhat part of the experience and kind of be able to follow me along, it's just been, it's been pretty crazy. Like we, we just can't talk about it. Everyone's so proud and uh, just enjoys the experience and everyone's been so positive about it, so. I mean, you,
0: you, you've, got, you've got a good sense I would imagine of, of your teammates and of the guys you play with and the guys you play against and their upbringing in terms of what football means to them and a part of their life. It, it was not on your radar until you know, three years ago. What was your
1: childhood like by comparison? Uh, a lot of soccer. Uh, so I had two older brothers. They, uh, they both played soccer and did NFL like gridiron back in high school and uh, played a bit of uh, played that at pretty much the highest level um, in the states, and from that um, there wasn't really I guess a future in it. Whenever I was about 17, 18 I went to university and decided you know I'm gonna go down the path of becoming a mechanical engineer. Um, you know, start studying and um, start study the same subject my mom and dad did. So. Um, I was just kind of, I got somewhat inspired by them. It was something I was good at math and science. I said, oh, why not give it a crack? And uh, from that, I uh, started playing basketball for fun. And then from that, it was some random person just kind of picked me up and said, would you help out? And <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. Some free kit, you know, some free gear, you know. I was all like, oh, some yeah. stuff that actually fits me. Like, this would be awesome, you know, some free shoes. and um, Free shoes led me to being in Australia playing AFL in front of however many thousand people. So. Yeah, like I said, there's so many things I can look back to. And my brother was in town about two weeks ago, and we just kind of had a bit of a, I guess, kind of a a retro talk on everything that's happened, and uh, just how many different things have had to happen in the past, you know, six to eight years to get me where I'm at. It's just incredible.
0: So you said both your parents were mechanical engineers as well. What was their reaction (laughs) when you said, at the end of your five-year degree, and you've accepted a job yeah. at the end of that and you've said mum and dad I'm going
1: to Australia to try out for Aussie rules I um, didn't know what it was obviously um, my dad's always kind of he's always just loved the sporting life he's he's, uh, he's a very straight down the line like never would I, mean, I can imagine back in school he'd never miss a homework. you know 100% on everything <laughs> like a bit of like a nerdy guy you know it's funny you, you ask me anything about Collingwood he'll know every single bit of it um, yeah. would love to have a bit of a quiz show with him and um yeah so that my dad was just kind of like oh just keep living the dream you know almost like he was so hyped and he's like dude just go just go you know he's like oh man like it'll be awesome it's gonna be a great experience my mom's a bit like she's a bit more level-headed I think as far as emotional sense she's like no I I don't know like you don't know like where this is gonna lead down the line you don't know much about it so and that was before I went over there so you can imagine this foreign sport half a world away and you've got no idea anything about it and um, you wonder, oh, is this worth giving up? You know, a five-year degree, um, and probably you know, work that job till retirement, or give something you've never heard of and don't know any information about, you know, a go, and then see how it goes. Was it, was it a risk? Ah, oh, huge risk, huge risk. I mean, to uproot your life, um, really well-paying job, and ExxonMobil, one of the top Fortune 500 companies. Um, to say no to that is, I think, people would probably. Were you know classmates of mine? probably thought you silly goose. Like what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll never forget. There was I came to Australia and during our, our trip, my, my brother and myself, Nolan. Um, after we kind of talked to different teams and stuff, and he had been in the workforce for I think like four years. <laughs> and that uh, we sat on St Kilda Beach and I said, "What do you think?" Is he's, he's your older brother? He's my oldest brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he played basketball at Oklahoma State too. And I said, "What do you think?" And I said, I, "I don't know, man. I'm actually leaning towards it." And he goes. To do it. He said, you never, a degree's not going to expire. That was the first thing he said, I'll never forget. He said, in, t- in 10 years, Tom, are you going to be kicking yourself behind a desk saying, I wish, or what if, or what I wish I would have known what was. Or would you rather do it? And then, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, it's, it is what it is. Life goes on. You go back to a desk job, you know, what you would have done before. Yeah. You at least can say, I gave it a go. So it was a bit of, I guess, like for one of the first Life chats I've ever had with my brother. Um, it was quite. It's something I'll never forget in my lifetime. That's for sure. I, I feel like um,
0: Melbourne and Aussie rules, and by extension the country, we're very insular. We're like we're we're in this fishbowl, right? Yeah. And so, wh- what was your perspective coming from the states to to coming into this environment?
1: Um, <laughs> it's funny because everyone thinks Australia is a place where. You know, crocodile's gonna eat you and snake's <laughs> gonna kill you, And um, coming over here was, I came here and I was, I was quite surprised. I didn't know anything about Melbourne. I really, like even like, before AFL existed, I'd never heard of it really. Um, heard of Sydney, obviously the Olympics were there. Um, that was a big ticket item as far as international mm-hmm. you know, relevance. And I didn't really know much about Melbourne, but I came over and it was, it was so like people, oh man, the culture shock must've been huge. I thought yeah it was there's certain things you know and you, you hear the, the mate after things you kind of have a bit of a chuckle and you know you think of crocodile Dundee and all this stuff and you know you know that's not a knife and all that kind of jazz and I don't know but I got here and I thought to myself I said it could be ten times worse you could be in a city or a country you don't speak the language you can't read a street sign um, the hardest thing is probably learn how to drive on the other side of the road and I mean that took two days I'll yeah. get over it you know yeah. so I think you know you got a bit of a glass half full I guess kind of perspective but it could have been 10 times worse where I would have had to have a translator to sit there and have my coach talk to me you imagine trying to understand you know certain emotions and stuff the coach is trying to get to you while the translator is just pushing it back to you so so
0: what you're saying is that everybody's made this big fuss about you when really not that hard no nah, it's not it's, at all <laughs> it's
1: funny now because I, I like I tell my friends you know I'm like come to Australia it's a great place you know and they go oh no I don't know and then I kind of think of it I think maybe australians don't like other people knowing that australia is like kind of safe yeah, and like good. a really nice country and they're just happy with you know no one kind of getting in their business yeah. like you know what you guys go over there and you, you fight with other countries you do your own thing you know we'll send a few ships here and there and to keep all the relations mm-hmm. fine and you know we'll be happy with ourselves so yeah. um uh, yeah it's one of those things i think where there is quite a bit of isolation here it's australia and new zealand are really the only people in this kind of corner and um they just don't really you know kick up a fuss they just enjoy their own company and um, that's one thing I've, I've learned since I've been here is, you know, just the Melbourne kind of culture of just sitting down having a coffee and a chat with someone. And yeah. I think that's almost goes beyond just Melbourne. It's just kind of how the people are in general is they look after each other quite a bit more, I think, than other countries would. Yeah. So you've accepted the, the the
0: Category B rookie list from Collingwood. Yeah. Um, what was your first impression
1: walking into the biggest sporting club in the country? Um, first thing I thought to myself was, "This is a, this is a nice place, but um, college was a bit nicer." <laughs> um, that's probably a bit big-headed. On me, but, so like, mean, what, what, I mean, but what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah. What do you mean by college is a bit nicer? So you think of college basketball and um, college basketball players aren't paid. Yeah. So people donate money to buy. You know, they, they get on scholarship, but you're looking at guys who could be making millions of dollars in the NBA. And obviously, that was millions of dollars through support or coming through donors and other things like that. So, there's a lot of money that gets pumped into the program, but the, the players don't get paid, so they've got to put it somewhere. So, a lot of times they put it in the facilities. Yeah. So, you go into our locker room, we had a half a million dollar staircase, marble staircase, going down to our, our lockers. <laughs> Why? Just because we could. We had the cash to do it and it's we had you know this this lounge area which was you know couch leather and all this kind of or whatever it was and then we got our own pool table our own kitchen all this you know unique stitchings on the back of every chair and you know you got your your name above every locker and you've got the whole thing and it's you're really spoiled like you really are and we we, we flew a private jet to all of our games a private jet there's just all this money in it and and we're walking into a locker room here and it it was the same as almost any other I guess uh, footy locker, but you just have you know your kind of little, you know, I don't know what it'd be like a, a quarter meter, you know, yeah, wide yeah. locker with a, your number on it. And I was like, I used to have I used to be able to sit in my locker <laughs> in college, I used to actually have a chair, it's like, it's like a downgrade, I'm going okay. you a, a little bit, it was, but it was a lot bigger space. I give you that you didn't have to share it with anyone else. That was before I guess the uh, AFLW and the yeah. netball came in, but uh, it was kind of a funny thing because I will just kind of looked and people were like, Oh, this is the best of the best, isn't it? This is so great, and I go. it's all right yeah like like, not to be rude to Collingwood by any means but it was um it was just (laughs) different yeah it was completely different and um I think now that it is it's a bit run a different way and yeah the amount of money that's come into Collingwood would be similar to to some colleges back home and it's it's quite hard for I think people to understand that in a general sense because uh obviously AFL is the biggest sport in Australia but um, you look at there's 23 million people in Australia there's more people that live in the state of Texas where I'm from than all of Australia yeah. and you think that times 50 well not times 50 because it's one of the biggest states but yeah. I like think there's 330 million people over 10 times as many people in the states for yep. a person here Yeah. so it's just a sheer size and you know you think if you take what you have at Collingwood and put it put that money money that's put into Collingwood and multiply it by 10 Yep. imagine what the facilities would look like by then yep yep so you've spent some time involved
0: in um, soccer and basketball, sort of sporting teams. Yeah. How, how does that differ to the dynamic of walking into an AFL kind of team culture? There's a lot more
1: shit talk in that <laughs> club. I, <love>. um, <laughs> I think. Yeah. It was uh, the weirdest, probably thing for me to get my head wrapped around. I think was was being so close. I think to to the coaches um, back in college and stuff. It was. The coach made the decisions and um that was that you know yeah. there was no you know there's no you know personal relationships or i guess you know having a beer with a coach that was unheard of you would have never like yeah, growing up it was not things so you weren't yet to be 21 to yeah. drink beer back home anyway yeah. so um i remember the first time i met nathan buckley and he's he's all nice and real friendly and everything i was kind of confused you know? i didn't know how to take it i was kind of like oh like, you're the head coach, right? Like are yeah. you okay. Like <laughs> me having a beer in front of you, I'm not really sure you're gonna judge me here. Yeah. So it was just a bit weird. Like I and it took a bit getting used to, but obviously it's kinda of like, you know, I mean you look at like local footy and stuff, you just have a beer after the game with your mates and it's not a big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Um whereas I, I kinda of saw it as like, Oh, this is a professional environment, like this is, you know, the top of the top, Like there's no no beers with friends or anything like that, there's no drinking, no none of that. And you came in here and it's it's just part of the Aussie culture to have a beer, you know. So yeah that was probably one of the weirdest things to get used to and Dan um, Swan was there my first year no matter you know crappy would just kind of have little quippets here and there and uh, everyone would just have a laugh and just would kind of run with it you know because that's just who he was so they were they were accepting of all the different characters on the team and yeah. to have 44 guys and 22 spots and that many people that many different characters and having all gel into one team and interact with each other and it was. It's almost organized chaos. It's a bit crazy how like footy teams actually run yeah. it's it is quite tough to get everyone on the same page and to have forty four different personalities and have everyone you know driving towards one um, one like end goal. It's quite tough to do. Yeah. Um, and of course, not everyone's going to be happy because you only can pick twenty two out of forty something guys yeah. and to get them on um, on the same page and going towards the same goal is, is a tough thing to do. I think at times. Who, who did you when you first walked in? Who did you gravitate to? And
0: why, in terms of you know skill, skill set, coaching, um, you know, getting your head around how the game actually works.
1: Uh, player and coach. Yep. Uh, player was probably Darcy Moore, when I came in. Um, so Darcy was, he was 18, whenever I came in. We both came in a bit early. So I came in August before. Um, so everyone else went for off season, and I came early in August, and yep. we spent August, September, October here while everyone else was back on holidays. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to get my skills enough to be able to do a main training session because yeah. I didn't know anything so um, Darcy was here at the same time and he was doing a few things here and there and we became close and um, Peter's dad like, reached out to me and his whole family and just kind of took me in and mm. uh, it was really nice in that sense and I had no idea who Peter was at the time you know and yeah. I probably found out maybe six months down the road that he's a Brownlow medalist and what a Brownlow was so yeah. um, they took me in and um, their whole family's always been so nice he still sends me messages after games and stuff mm. and uh, has always looked after me so there was there was him as a player I think uh, including his family and then as a coach there's two Anthony Rocker and um, Craig McRae who's the head of head coach of the VFL at Richmond now and they like I'm still really good friends with Craig even though he's at a different club and um, Peb's obviously still working here so we're still very close and they've all just kind of took me under their wing Peb's has got a massive Italian family um, and they took me in had their pizza night had me over you know and you got you know everyone yelling at each other and everyone's trying to yell at the ladder and the next person and I'm in the corner like holy shit what's going on yeah. <laughs> um, and then Craig you know he he brought me into his life and um, let me meet his whole family and um He's just kind of always been there for me and came to my last birthday, I think, whenever we um, went out for food and stuff and has always, you know, supported me through my career. So yeah. um, he's always told me don't forget the little people in, in, literally. In, in, the, in, the, in the journey and he's about five foot five, I think. <laughs> so he's um, literally and figuratively given yeah. the years old and still living in mom's basement, mom and dad's basement. It's not, like, looked at as a negative. Whereas back home, if you were doing that, like, you're somewhat unsuccessful. Like, let's be honest. So. So I think the culture of moving out of home, moving moving out of home early, um, starting to pay bills, starting to do a bit more, I guess, like living on your own, handling your own responsibilities, um, that was like a, a big thing where you kind of, you grow up a bit earlier, I think, um, in terms of... Living uh, life experience was. I'm trying not to dog any Aussies in, but <laughs> uh, just in life experience wise. And I think whenever I moved over here, I was 24, almost like 23, 24. Yeah. So I was a bit older, yeah. um, had a bit matured a bit, and um, I had already finished university and other things. So it's a different experience uh, than back home uh, here with the way I guess people kind of grow up and don't move away for college you usually you know go to college and still live at home or might move into a new place but still be close to family like I, I don't know too many melburnians that have gone to school in Perth or really gone to school in Sydney or even you know they stay in the same town so um, to me it was it was a massive move moving half a world away but um, I look at it now and I see my family two to three times a year um, if I'm lucky and uh, my brother lives in Seattle Washington he might see my family maybe six times a year so it's not I mean, it is a difference, story wrong, and I, I do miss people back home here and there. But yep. I think I miss more of the friendships. And you know, you get to the point where people start getting married, and people start having kids, are good friends here. Yep. You miss those those life lifetime kind of um, events that you just you just tell them, "Hey, man, look, I'm in season. Look, I can't come. I'm sorry, can't be a part of the wedding. You know, or you know, mm-hmm. baby showers this weekend. But I got no chance of making it." And yeah. I think it's those big life events that that make you somewhat homesick, but. At the same time, you just got to take take a few steps back and just say, like, this is part of the experience. Like, you have to give up some stuff to get what you're getting. So, um, unfortunately, there's a bit of risk for reward, I guess, with that, too. So, you can't take the good with the bad. Okay,
0: after the Dugowie kick, well played. Blair got it up to Adams. Degoe has run on. Gatowicz hard half-forward, paddling it on the numbers, feeds it back inside. More low trajectory kick. Oh, this could be a fairy tale. Mason Cox is a cowboy,
1: as they all are at that university, and he rides at home. What a beauty.
0: What was what was the the overriding feeling you had after your first game? Anzac Day, debut on the big stage, family's out here. <laughs> um, and you
1: had the, like your first kick was a goal. Yeah that was pretty wild Oh um, well, yeah, people always ask about it and I think I'll always be known for it um, and it was I knew kind of after it happened and uh, I'll never forget there was everyone uh, but I think maybe one person on our team came up and jumped on me and like high five and all this kind of stuff and you just you just felt like you were like you belong there, you know, and everyone, you know, had belief in you and everyone had confidence in you to be able to do what you were doing. And obviously it was a bit of a statement at the time, I think, with um, a legend, a legend of the club, Trav Cloak, and um, I felt quite guilty, I think, taking his spot for that week. And it was yeah. a bit of an awkward kind of thing. And um, the credit to him, he's, a, he's an amazing player and everything, he's a great guy, and still friends with him. But at the time, it was a bit of a, like a hot situation, I thought, you know, and I, I kind of felt, I guess, a bit guilty at it about it and um, to do well off that and have everyone kind of take him in and be accepting of you was I think the biggest thing I kind of came out of that from my footy sense was um, just the, the belief from the rest of the players and the coaching staff that you can you know you're not just this one off kind of I guess prodigy kind of thing you, yeah. you're you're a legitimate AFL player who you know can can do something in this league so that that, that belief from the, the public
0: and the, the, the teammates is, is really important how, how do you um, how do you keep I guess, your confidence up? How do you keep that level of self-belief up to keep performing
1: at the, the level that you are now? Um, oh, I don't know. I think it's just more repetition than anything. Um, you go out and you train every day, you, you spend extra time on goal kicking and things just to make sure that your confidence is there. And um, Every once in a while you're going to have a bad day kicking or a bad day on the field, and that's that's going to be part of the journey. So um, I think, you know, early times of my career it was, it was quite... It's quite troubling, I think, for myself to to be up and down, and um, when I was talking to Jason Holmes, who was another American that played, and we kind of, we were on the footy show or something, and they asked, what was the, what's the toughest thing you've had, ever had to learn? And I think the biggest thing we both said was um, not getting down on yourself whenever you screw up, because in in your career, um, not knowing the game and everything else, there's going to be some embarrassing moments, and I've had some, a few of them, don't get me wrong, uh, but you just have to laugh with it, you know. You have to know it's part of the experience. You've just got to take it and roll with the punches. And uh, people are going to hate you. People are going to love you. And people are going to laugh at you. And that's just all part of the experience. Yeah. You know, it's, it's professional sport. It, it's such a unique environment. I um, mean, you've you received Bronx cheers from your own supporters at times. Yeah. Um, and this is this is from free- Bronx cheers to USA chance. hey. All so, that same season.
0: Yeah. So, I mean... So it it is. It, it hardly makes sense, right? And this is... And this is, this is from a club who actually know your background and you appreciate you, know, appreciate you for what you are and what you're doing for the club. And they turn around just as quickly to pat you on the back again. I mean, that's almost part of the Australian psyche, is it, by comparison to the States? Almost tall poppy syndrome. You know, you talk about hanging shit on guys.
1: Almost bringing each other down. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's one thing I've learned since I guess being in a bit of the spotlight with, with professional footballers. Um, negative news is going to travel a lot quicker than positive news um, and that's that 's part of the i guess the the job at times um you know whenever you 're losing they 're going to find someone to to hang it on they 're going to find a scapegoat right, right away and they 're going to blame that person till um, till the end and um I know this year with round one i was I was that the one person everyone was looking at so Uh, people hated me and I'll I'll, I'll stay off social media a few few weeks you know and just kind of kept it between the four walls as I say yeah um, whenever you know you're going to have those down times in your career and you have times where you don't perform I guess to your standards and like I said it's just part of the journey I mean you can't let you know someone else whose emotions are going to get the better better of them and have comments and say things that they may not mean and uh, take it to heart because it's you know it's just someone who's doesn't understand I think what's going on within the club and Uh, to go into round three and have the coaches put you right back in after having that bad of a game was um, one of those things where it's just uh, I think you just look back and say whatever happens outside the club doesn't matter it's you know the only thing that really matters is the opinions of the coaches and players that are around you so uh, to go back in on that round three and uh, we played Adelaide or something like that and played a pretty good game and then everyone's you know off your back so just as as, you know quickly as they jump on they jump off and that's just how it is that's just the uh, that's the career you're in you're, um, you're quite active on social media as well. <laughs> and it's... it's re- I'll try not to get in trouble too much. on Well, it? it's,
0: really, it's, it's really refreshing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Because, oh, again... If I could speak my mind, I'd love to just go a bit be. crazy. So but, would I. Uh, Fascinating, by uh, comparison uh, to what you put out there. Uh, I'll try to just, you yeah, stay... I'll try to just make funny comments on it rather than having digs at people. Um, yeah, it's good fun. I mean, given my, I guess, background of just a bit of ignorance is bliss with the whole thing and um, I think it gives a bit of a fresh... Uh, kind of take to, to people being so serious about football. Um,
0: do, we, do we take it too seriously?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say, like, too seriously. It's just passion. Everyone's got passion for the sport, and that's what makes it so amazing in Melbourne. And I always tell people, I say, it's the most densely followed sport um, per capita in the world, I'd say. Yeah. If you look at Melbourne, there's, how many teams? Are there are eight or ten there in Melbourne alone. Yeah. And you're averaging, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people at a game. But, I mean, you're, you're, clearly, you're clearly passionate about this sport. Yeah but, obviously. You, you, but yeah. You, yeah, but you, you do it in such a different way. But I look at it in a different light. Um, not having, I guess, the you know the growing up with it and the growing up with friends, you know, all talking crap and all that kind of stuff. Um, my friends don't even they follow Colin when they support Columbia because I play for them. They don't know any other players yeah. in the league. They don't know anything about it. So,
0: so do you, do you feel a bit sorry for the kids coming into the system now because they they don't have that. The, the separation between passion and that seriousness whereas you've got this really unique
1: perspective to see for what it is yeah I think I don't know there's some people who are actually really good at like you know dividing the two some people you know you go in you see them and they've got friends outside of the football department they've got yeah you know, their own group of friends from from school whatever it may be and that's their release from football um there's others you worry about I think whenever they come into the club and uh, you've got to tell them you know don't get me wrong coming in here every single day and training your ass off is a good thing but you also need a break every once in a while yeah. um, and I was I was one of those people I think that suffered from that my first year was uh, trying to prove myself and I probably probably overdid it and overcooked myself my first year and um, got a bit frustrated, like um I think whenever Jason Holmes might have been oh, about like three rounds to the end of it Jason Holmes debuted and I was quite frustrated because I want to be the first American as you do yeah, you and you I think I just overcooked it. I think I said, you know, I've just spent too much time in the club. And uh, don't get me wrong, it, it, I, I think I just, it meant too much in my life at times. Yeah. Uh, where if things weren't going well, you know, nothing in life was going well. So I'm, I'm good now, though. Like I've got a completely different friendship group. And if you were to meet my friends, you'd go, how the hell are all these people your friends? <laughs> like, each one is so uniquely different. Yeah. I mean, like 95% of them do not know a single thing about footy yeah. the internationals from overseas or um, well, I have friends from Sweden I've got friends from the Philippines from the US and it's just a similar experience of being away from home and you know you, you kind of bond over that and then you, you sit there and have a laugh at you know someone who tags you on Twitter or something like that and you just kind of you know like I met Joe Biden and my American friends are like would you have ever pictured that? <laughs> Like, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in my life I would have ever said I'm going to meet the Vice President of the United States, you know, and yeah. have to sit down and have to explain a foreign game to him, which I barely understood at the time, you know.
0: So how, how do you,
1: as, you know, a professional
0: AFL player coming from where you've come, how do you set expectations for yourself? Like, who do you, who do you look to and how do you decide, um, you know, the sky's the limit, right? Yeah. Jim Stein's, of course, another famous... National Railway Medalist. I mean, is
1: is that your sort of aspiration, or how do you sort of temper that at the same time? Um, You can aspire to be James Sines, but um, you'll never be him. He's a unique person who. Um, i I'd do anything to meet, to be honest. Um, I'm, I watched this documentary the other day. It's quite humbling. And, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just what he was able to do, um, on and off the field. I think, off the field, honestly, he's probably gonna be known more for what he did then and mm-hmm. the personality and character he was. Um, for that, and I, I've always wanted to meet the man, but you know, unfortunately, things have happened that you know doesn't allow that. But now, uh, I think for myself, expectation wise, it's um, you do say the sky's the limit, you know, and. Um, it's kind of cool I guess being one of the only people that's done it where there's nothing to really compare yourself to so you've kind of got to say you know whenever someone says oh I should be you know kicking so many goals or taking so many marks a game so why do you have to put a number on it you know Like, um, and we've got our standards and stuff at the club of you know what's a good game what's not a good game and your role and all that but at the end of the day it's um, I I guess I'm a bit hard on myself because I think there is quite a bit of improvement I think and Um, I'll see it as you never, you're never going to play perfect, but you always strive for perfection. Yeah. And um, when I think it's a bit of that carrot in front of you. Of you never actually get the carrot, but the carrot will always lead you to, to where you want to go. So yeah. Yeah, as long as you still have the passion and the drive to, to be at your best, even though you may never actually be your best because your best is perfect, um, you always have that drive to be successful and that will kind of do you well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how have you found...
0: Either the banter or the sledging uh, the Aussie colloquialisms uh, do you sort of get involved in it out in the field have you had a few decent ones coming your way I've had a few there's a guy from
1: St Kilda that got in my head whenever we played them. it wasn't even really it was almost just, uh, I more laughed about it like it was kind of a funny quip that I was like oh that's pretty clever yeah. like I forget, he said something about being a dumbass American and um, I forget the whole, I, I misquote him I don't even know who said it because it was behind the play but yeah um, I just had a chuckle, like I couldn't like I, you couldn't, I guess, be serious about it. But um, yeah, people get into me here and there, and I, like I think, oh, probably my first year playing AFL, people got into me a bit more. And yeah. um, I always think back to that Geelong game where um, I was about five or six of the defenders came up to me before the game, started shoving me, and I just thought, "Oh, this is a bit of a compliment, to be honest." <laughs> like, and um, yeah, I, I thrive off it a bit. I think um, I love a bit of shit talk and i don't you know it's not personal i do find one of the things weird about footy is you, you go in and everyone talks smack you know and then as soon as the siren goes oh how you been man you know how's how's the date, man you know how's life been it's great story and you're just like man, you were just punching me in the face two minutes ago what, what are you doing and i just thought it was the weirdest thing yeah you know? and even on even like i was like oh, against, i'm not gonna say who but i'll play against like teammate or not teammates but you know opponents and you sit there and the ball goes away and they go, Oh man, like where you been? You know, like what have you been up to? You know, what's what's going on in life? <laughs> you just and then all of a sudden two seconds later you're in a scuffle with them and there's about ten people around and you're like hating each other. So it's to go from one end to the opposite is so weird. Like I, like I remember the first time I you know came here, I was just kinda of, like look back, what are you what are you talking about? We're in mid-game here. I mean, it's just such an odd thing. The ironic thing is, you've played for three years, these guys have been playing for ten
0: to fifteen to twenty years and yeah. you're schooling them. Like you're kicking oh, fire with the MCG. I wouldn't say
1: school in all of them but
0: not um, no, all of them just guys uh, nice.
1: it, yeah it's I don't know, I, I, like I said I kind of find the whole thing you know kind of funny and you you talk about I guess my ignorance of um, people talking and all this kind of stuff and um, I guess people kind of know my story because it's quite unique but I'm still trying to catch up with everyone else um, and even on the weekend I think there's something in the paper about Daisy Thomas whereas um, I know him as Dale uh, but Eddie just decided to call him Daisy and I had no idea I thought he was talking about Daisy Pierce or something and yeah um, of course, that gets a bit of a, a bit of a run in the media, but um, yeah. So I, I didn't on the team sheet. His name Dale, so I called him Dale, and then apparently he's got a nickname named Davey, Daisy. So there's, you know there's like 750 people on the AFL, struggling to keep up with names. Um, yeah. So I didn't grow up with all these people, and you know, the first time I ever met Nathan Buckley, I said, "Oh, hello, sir. I'm Mason Cox. What's your name?" I had no idea. <laughs> really. Um, so that, and Eddie it was the same, and everyone else. So yeah. um, I'll take everyone as as face value. You know, no one's. Yeah. No one's really a legend to me because I've never known. Like well, I've met the first time I ever met Peter McKenna, was outside of um, off Swan Street, and he goes, "Oh, i hey Mason, you're a massive fan. blah blah you're blah, doing really well. You know, like oh, and I was, and I was chatting, for two, three minutes. He goes, yeah, "It's great to meet you, buddy. Like, we'll see you later, you know." And he goes, "Do you know who I am?" And I go, "No, I'm Mason. What's your name?" And he goes, <laughs> "Peter, Peter McKenna." And I just kind of go, "Oh, it's great to meet you. See you later, buddy." sure enough, the next day I'm telling the story to, I think it was Darcy Moore. And I was telling the story at the club, and he goes, You know who Peter McKinney is? <laughs> he, he walks me around and he goes, because go look at the uh, go look at the career goals kicked at Conwood over <laughs> on the uh, on the wall over there. And sure enough, it's Peter McKinnon. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I should know that, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> so, so refreshing. So it's, yeah, I'm just ignorant, I mean, man. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance I say, but, like, completely. you feel like you should know these things, and you feel guilty whenever you don't, and you're a bit embarrassed here and there. Yeah. But it's it's kind of you have to laugh about it because it's like you're just enjoying the experience, and what you know, whatever comes your comes your way, you just kind of run with it and. Um, Hopefully, no one takes anything personal because I don't mean it in a personal way. But hopefully, everyone just kind of have a laugh at you know what I don't know. I guess in Mm. AFL circles. Lynn, you you appear not to take the game too seriously. Of
0: course, you do. But Uh, what do you do away from footy to unwind, or what do you do to kind of
1: freshen up? um, I love travel. Travel is one of the biggest things. Um, I've travelled almost all of Australia now. I think the only place I haven't been that I want to is Byron Bay. Uh, so I've driven from Broome down to Perth, all down the west coast, and seen all that. Um, gone up to Cairns, been through Darwin, been through Northern Territory twice now. Uh, been to places like Elliot. Mm-hmm. I mean, name it, many Aussies that've been to Elliot. I don't think many have. they yeah. know where it is, um, it's, yeah, it's like four hours north of like, um, Alice Springs. Yep. So we did an indigenous kind of camp up there, which was really nice with the club. Uh, through the Barclay region, you got to learn about the indigenous community and um, what they're doing up there, and how AFL is you know a bit of a carrot for them to do well in school. Um, yeah. And just had these amazing experiences that I never knew really existed. So anytime there's a, you know a three four day break or a couple of weeks off or whatever it might be, um, you won't find me in Melbourne. You won't find me at my apartment. I'll be I'll be traveling somewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very fortunate, I think, to be in the position I am, and a lot of Aussies you know I wouldn't say they take advantage of it they always say they're just going to go see something like oh eventually I'll get to that eventually I'll go see route. eventually yeah. I'll do this or that you know and to me being a guy that's come over half a world away, never heard of a lot of things here and whenever someone tells you this beautiful place or this rock that is majestic and you know Sean's red in the middle of nowhere in this red dirt area you know I want to see that and it's only, you know, two hour flight away where a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'll just get to it. I know, i have read about it. You know, I've, I've heard the history about it, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'll eventually do it. But to me, it's like, I want to learn the history. I want to go see it firsthand. If I have the opportunity to do it on a three day break, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go see it. So true. You take for granted when it's right there in front of you. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. I mean, you look at just down Melbourne, you look down Great Ocean Road, you get four different, you know, kind of biodiversity kind of yeah. places from you know a bit of dirt to you know full way rainforest to the 12 apostles to mm-hmm, beach to mm-hmm. you have so much in a condensed area that i don't think people realize how beautiful it is you look and go down some of those waterfalls down there that's some of the best waterfalls i've ever seen yeah well, if you go to tasmania people hang shit on tasmania for what it is it's one of the most beautiful Glorious. places i've ever been everyone you know it's like oh man tassie why would you ever go there I say, like, you kidding me? Have Don't you tell too many. Walk? We like yeah. it down there like that. You have been to Cradle Mountain? Yeah. Tell me how Cradle Mountain walk was. Unreal. Yeah. you won't find one person that didn't enjoy that. And you look at like the you know the art exhibit down there and things like that. There's just so. Island is another good one. Yeah, Brunei Brune Island. I haven't done that one yet, yep. but it's on my bucket list. And I think people just—it's a—it's a forty-five minute flight. You're joking. Yeah. You have a long weekend. Go do it. Like there's so many amazing things so close to to Australia, and if I can inspire someone to you know eventually to go see some things that they can't take advantage of, I guess, and don't ever want to go see, that uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy to do it. You're still really early in your
0: journey here with Aussie Rules and, and Australia. Is there anything you do differently? Um, from the boys at the club? No, nah, I mean, just in, in your journey so far, right? So obviously coming from, you know, college in the States and leaving a family and then coming to Collingwood
1: to the you know this couple of, you know, three years you've been here now. Um, I try to stay... I don't know I think like it's a very unique journey like what I've been able to do and what I've done in my my career so far and um you don't want to be I guess somewhat of the like in the spotlight a bit you know like I, I love to tell my story I love you know being you know, sharing these stories with people because it is quite unique and it's yeah. quite funny and um but you want to just be seen as one of the boys at the club you don't want to be seen as um that American I think there's a lot of times I had that that stigma on me I was like oh that's that you know that American and, I think for the first two years, I was like, I, you know, I've got to do whatever I can to not be cocky, to to fit in as much as I can, just work my ass off to get to the spot um, to, to be able to play with the boys because I don't want them to think that I'm taking it for granted by any means. So I don't want them to think that, um, you know, I just think that I'm some kind of hot shot coming in here, you know, I want to be quite humble in the way I go about it. And um, I think that's one of the reasons I think I've somewhat fit into the Congo. And there's been players before that I think have, have come in that have... Um, had a bit of a big head and you, you don't see him in a year's time so yeah. uh, i tried to somewhat fall under the radar for the first couple of years and then I think whenever obviously ends like that it was quite a unique experience my first game and um, after that was a bit of a story and you you kind of try to take a step back but you wanted to, to make the most of the experience at the same time so it's it's a bit of a tightrope at times but um, i just it's what it is so to that point in
0: 10 years time which as 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 the American who's not the American, who's just another one of the lads. Yeah. What's what's your legacy?
1: Um, I don't know. I think everyone always talks about, you know, leaving a positive legacy and everything else. And you want to be known for your football, don't get me wrong. But I think I want to be known more for just what I was able to, like I think after training sessions and everything else, you know, you want want the fans to respect you and to change someone's life in a positive way. Um, anytime you see a kid, you know you sign his jumper, and you know it means ten times more to that kid than I mean anyone else. And um, it's, I think like it's it's quite a cool experience, you know, to to go to training and see someone who's got a number forty six on the back of their jumper, and you think there's no one else that that forty six is going to be a four foot man. Um, <laughs> not to not to be big-headed by any means, but it's kind of unique and humbling, I guess, in that way. And um, if you can, I guess there's so many people. I think footy is it's such a positive light in their life Um, it's something they look forward to every single day it's some some things that they you know they strive and they're like oh man I just can't wait for the game on the weekend you know and it's you know it's the the best part of my week you know Um, if you can sit there and provide that happiness for some people in their life um, just by doing what you do at work every single day I think it's quite a unique experience that hopefully you know people down the line will say you know I love watching that guy play every single weekend and what he did on and off the field was something that, you know, you, you struggled to be that kind of person. So, um if I can finish my legacy be some somewhere along those lines, I'll be happy. I'll be very happy. We'll wrap things up shortly. I'm gonna throw a few names at you. God, here we go. And I
0: want you yeah, try to understand who they are. No, no, no. no. I just want I, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say mm. these names. All right. But I'll look after you I'm not gonna the bus. <laughs> yeah, the bus. <laughs> nah, it's all right. Nathan Buckley. Um Grunt. Grunt.
1: Is that the way he speaks? I used to love that word. Uh, He doesn't (laughs) use it as much anymore, but um, I've seen some of his old old clips now and he just looked like one of those players that you you wanted on your side whenever you got in a fight. Don't get me wrong, and he'd beat the living hell out of whoever was going against you. Mm, He's very good. Uh, Scott Pennery. Class. Nick Maxwell. Um, People's person. Eddie Maguire. Um, I would say he is a... Uh, marketing genius, Joe Budden. Uh, character. i was hoping you're going to say mate then or buddy. Oh, I love yeah. Of mine, a I, wish I, I wish I would be I'm like, confident. oh yeah, we're you know we uh, we pals, we hang hanging out all the time. But, <laughs> uh, I think that guy's probably got more important people on his life to be worried about than me. <laughs> Donald Trump, dumbass. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Um, and and just wrapping up, how do we how do we get more Yanks into the game? How do we get more because surely. I mean economies of scale there, are, there must be not to yeah. say there are a lot of people like you because there's clearly
1: not but they're, you know, athletically and physically athletically and physically there's there's quite a few Americans out there I think like I said before I think my, my journey has been very unique to get me here um, I played soccer and basketball that was kind of what I grew up with and I've been fortunate enough for those two have tra- transferred over to football and it's quite a unique I guess uh, combination to get me where I am now and, uh, I think with the biggest thing with the Americans is I think there's a bit of we need to have that belief that someone can do it. Um, and I'm hoping maybe, you know, if I can have a successful career somewhat, you know, it might open the floodgates for someone else to come out. And then that opens up the floodgates for someone else to come out. And then you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, you look at the Irish guys, and Jimmy Steins obviously was one of the biggest guys that ever come out here. And um, now there's, what, 10, 10, 15 Irish guys in the league now. So I think the biggest thing for. For getting the U.S. athletes here, and there's some freak athletes in the U.S. And I had to say cause "I'm probably going to get absolutely pushed out here." But <laughs> um, I think it needs a bit of a, a bit of a belief, as anything does, that um, it is possible, and there's there's a genuine um, gap in availability where that we're not filling it by other athletes coming over here, and it's going to take a very unique person who can be away from family, who can live half a world away, who um, has got the the passion and the um, I guess the drive to, to want to be a, a decent athlete or a good athlete and do something with a career. Cause there's people all come over here from other you know countries and different backgrounds and they get into it and they, they kind of question, they go, well, why am I here? What, what am I doing? No one knows what I'm doing. I'm half a world None of my friends follow this. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point of this? Mm-hmm. And I've had that in my career. I've asked that myself a lot of times, but it just comes back to, to making the most of the experiences in life. And, um, it's gonna have some tough times it's gonna be ups and downs but you just can't you can't let that affect you you know personally and you just have to be able to to, like I said roll with the punches and um, look at it as as, I guess a 10-15 year um, contract where you you know you're gonna spend this much of your life giving this a go and um, doing anything you can to to keep this um, going as long as you can uh, I I remember the first time uh, whenever I signed the contract one of the reasons I did it I said whenever I'm 40 or 50 years old am I gonna regret this decision? I knew in my heart that I said, "There's no chance in hell that we regret coming to a different place." And mm. and that uh, whether it works out or not, it's you know it's up to to the stars of the line. And um, but you know I'll be 40 sitting on the couch one day thinking, "How cool is that?" <laughs> you know, is there anything from the American sports in particular
0: that you think we could incorporate into our game? Is there anything that
1: that that we could be doing better? Have you ever been to the States? Yep. You ever been to a sporting events so? Yeah, I've been to the Super Bowl. You've been to the Super Bowl. Um, you ever notice there's a lot of breaks? Yeah. In, in play in American sports? Yeah. And they fill those breaks with entertainment for the crowd? Yeah. That's one thing that's different from AFL to I think a lot of American sports is you look at basketball and they've got, you know, maybe a timeout and they've got these dancers on the floor. They that fan engagement got, type fan stuff. Fan engagement in the States is ten t- tenfold over to what it is here. But it's tough because... The only times you'd ever get fan engagement is during quarter time because it is a fluent game that just keeps going. It's like soccer. I mean, like yeah. fan engagement in soccer would be similar where you don't really have a lot of time to fill. But in the States they've mastered it. They've absolutely mastered it to get the, you know, the whole family involved. You look yeah. at a you know game and maybe a baseball game, you've got the dot race and they hand out little, you know, little things and say you get a free taco if your dot wins, you know, or something yeah. like that where everyone's getting up and about and yelling and screaming and people are doing the wave around the whole stadium and stuff like that, you know, is um, it's different. It is different. But I think the major difference is how passionate people are here. You know, there's every game is such a big game and people will talk smack, you know, for the rest of the year if Collingwood beats Carlton and <laughs> Carlton beats Collingwood and it becomes a thing at the office, you know, you yeah, always yeah. talk smack every morning about yeah. it. And um, I think back home, it's, you play teams so often that it's not as much of a, of a rivalry, um, whereas it's here, it's, you know, the fan engagement is the actual game. And, you know, everyone's going to go, ball, ball, <laughs> like, and they just go crazy for it. And, um, it's just a bit of a different aspect. But I think there's a bit of a, um, that's probably, and it's, the game is, is very unique. and it's, it's actually gone really well for how much, how much the media talks smack about it. Um, I think the game's honestly one of the most entertaining parts that's ever been, um, how much skills involved, the athletic ability of all the players um, it's actually quite astonishing um, and I don't think it gets enough credit because like I said before negativity is always going to outdo positivity Yep. and that's the thing I think the only difference I think between American sports and Australian sports that might be able to be um, somewhat I um, can change a bit would be fan engagement but it is it is a restricted thing of efficiency of um, I guess free time to actually do it yep now you've got your own podcast at the moment yeah the boardroom it's not my own I won't take credit for it. it's Tom Phillips yep. who's I think he's in the race for the brown now uh, for a few beers at the end of the year um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's running it with his uh, a couple of friends of his and I've yep. just kind of jumped in on it um, as a kind of a guest speaker for the year um, as one of them's somewhat moved on to another role in, uh, in Bendigo for a media opportunity yep. so I've jumped on that the podcast uh, um, it's called The Boardroom if you want to get on it and it's, yeah. it's a different twist um, me and Tom are I guess we're different kind of people than you would think of as you know just a typical footy player um, and we kind of bring out our ideas and you know our, our thought processes on this podcast and we bring in businessmen and you know, ask them what's made them successful and um, ask them about their, their tough times and how they've gotten through them and advice to other people that might be going through something similar. Yep. So now it's a way of us I guess, somewhat giving back, getting a bit of media experience ourselves um, and hopefully other people that listen in can take something from yep. it for their personal life. And as we like to call it, life after football, I could see you being <laughs> AFL's greatest endorsement or ambassador in uh, the states for the uh, game i'd love to be an ambassador for them i'm um, going to the usa afl national championships this year cool um so both my brothers actually it's a funny story both my brothers play afl in the states and they're more successful than you yeah i know they give me a <laughs> shit <laughs> well, i'm sick of it actually um they both got premiership medals i think you'd call it <laughs> yeah um, i don't even know yeah and they, they hang on me every single time they see me yeah so we've won a premiership and you haven't so uh, I'm sure I can win a premiership in the US AFL. As soon as I retire, pretty easily, I guess, um, <laughs> as long as the team around me is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they both picked it up there, and um, I've been fortunate enough now. I think the AFL is going to fly me over there and just kind of be an ambassador, and hopefully, I can uh, work those relations. And um, like you were saying earlier, uh, somewhat open the floodgates for yeah. you know other Americans to maybe come out and uh, help them out as far as the experience of coming over here and making it easier and. Um, having gone through, I guess, some of the struggles that these people would have coming over here and, and being able to make it through, I guess, the, the tough times and whether it be sometimes permanent residency or trying to get citizenship mm-hmm. and things that I've um, you know, gone through in my lifetime to be able to to have the people and the, the contacts in place to be able to help them out is something I think I can definitely put on the table for the AFL to maybe hopefully hire me at
0: some point. Well, Mason, I get the impression... The form up, you'll have your own premiership medal soon enough. Oh hopefully, who knows? I'm knocking <laughs> on wood. <laughs> Fascinating <laughs> chat, mate. Thank you very much for the um, for the time. Thanks for having me on, it's been good. We're talking footy